0: Hey, listeners, it's Kane here. Before we start today's episode, I wanted to apologize for the audio quality. Uh, we had some unforeseen issues, and I did the best I could to salvage the recording. It's only bad in a few spots, and it's going to be very obvious where it is, unfortunately, but I think the rest of the episode is listenable. Um, if this is your first time listening to our show, please know that normally it sounds a little bit better than this. But uh, other than that, uh, thanks for listening and I hope you guys enjoy it. and you're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, where we'll be taking a look at the deep cuts and forgotten stories of the Spider-Man library, looking for lost gems and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. And today, we've got a very special episode in store for you guys. First, I'd like to welcome today's guest, Chairman of the San Diego Comic Fest and fellow Spider-Man superfan, Matt Dunford. Yeah, Matt, welcome aboard. Hey,
1: why would you have this dork on your show? He's such a nerd. I don't think it's going to do you any good to have such a ginormous dweeb on the show. He doesn't contribute anything. All he does is talk about Spider-Man and makes bad jokes about stuff all day.
0: Hey, don't talk about my co-host like that. He has feelings and he's right here also listening. (laughs)
1: Thank you guys for having me on the show. I'm really happy to talk to fellow Spider-Nerds and, of course, people who talk about Spider-Man all the time. It's like, oh, my God, you speak my language.
0: Well, we're we're also excited to have you here. Uh, Before we, like, dive into the episode and and what we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, uh, could you maybe give a little information to those who aren't familiar with it, like what the San Diego Comic Fest is?
1: All right. So San Diego Comic Fest, which is now in its seventh year, is an event that was started by the original founders of San Diego Comic Con that tried to bring the event back into a small and intimate atmosphere where you can hang out with these legendary creators of comics, cartoons, science fiction, and movies, like like it was back in the 70s, before San Diego Comic-Con grew too big. It's not like I dislike San Diego Comic-Con. I love it. I've been going for 25 years, and it's my jam. It's my favorite thing in the world. But I understand it's not for everyone. Someone might easily become overwhelmed by the experience if they don't know the ins and outs and all the stuff to do. But San Diego Comic-Fest, we work hard to create that intimate atmosphere... And we've done some things in the past, like two years ago we did the centennial of Jack Kirby, bringing in a lot of creators who worked closely with Jack Kirby during his career, the Jack Kirby Museum, members of Kirby's family, his former assistants and everything, talking about the century of Kirby in comics and concept art and all that sort of thing. And then last year we did 200 years of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, talking about you know just everything from bringing in Sarah Karloff, Boris Karloff's daughter, to talk about her father's career as Frankenstein, to talking about how science fiction was essentially created by Frankenstein, talking about how it created the zombie mythos and all that sort of thing. And of course, even the trope of the mad scientist, and uh, even this uh, green purple pants guy right here behind me, I think he was influenced by Frankenstein. And this year at San Diego Comic Fest, our theme will be 50 years of the moon landing, because if you look back at comics of the 1950s and 1960s, just about everything was space themed. And so that was that moment where science fiction became science fact. And our guest of honor this year will be the world's greatest living cartoonist, Mr. Sergio Aragonis. Not a person in the world who don't like Sergio. He will be celebrating his 60th year at Mad Magazine with us. And last year was the year where Forbes called us America's Best Small Convention. So that's pretty high praise, I have to say, because I work hard to make sure that every fan, every guest, every special guest, every vendor has a great time. And as chairman, I always work hard to suit the needs of the community, and I always have to scale back my inner fanboy. But this year, this year, I get to unleash my inner fanboy by celebra- by doing a great celebration of 25 years of the Spider-Man animated series, which first premiered on November 19th, 1994. And I'm bringing sh- series creator John Semper, who's going to be making his fourth visit to San Diego Comic Fest, and we're preparing a very big Spider-Man special.
0: That sounds really exciting. Um, so, so what I'm getting here is that... This is more of like a, a comic festival or a convention or whatever you want to call it for uh, really interacting with comic fans and, and the creators. I, I know, you know, not not to throw shade or anything, but I know some people who have issue maybe with the, the big comic cons is that it's become more and more just a show or a show where big companies will come in and promote their stuff and then leave. And uh, I know I'm I'm from Memphis, uh, and they started a convention there. I think similar to what you what you're what you're doing is trying to bring back kind of like the '70s convention feel, where it's much more you know fan with creator and more one-on-one time. Is is that kind of what what you're?
1: That is uh, definitely a focal point of what we can do because you know mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to start up a new convention. So in the first year, of San Diego Comic Fest, it's like. You know, I attended as I attended as a just as an attendee, and I wasn't volunteering with the organization. In the first year, it's learning to crawl. Second year, it's taking your baby steps. Third year, I joined mm-hmm. as a as a volunteer, and I thought to myself, you know, the idea of this convention. Is great, but the execution is not quite. And then as I joined in, it's learning to walk. And then during the fourth year, that's when it became the convention that it needed to be. And then I said, you know what, why don't we keep this running? And during the fifth year, that was the year when people were just literally having tears in their eyes saying, it's like, there's too many good things going on at once. I was like, what am I going to do? Do I go to the 25th anniversary X Men panel? And do I go to the you know, Jack Kirby Centennial panel? I said, yeah. Too many good things to do at once. Sounds like a pretty good problem to have.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Because
1: there's that there's that problem with small conventions where they struggle to find a theme or get that flow going and they end up being too boring or big conventions offer, you know, like just it's they get things get buried in the mix. So with Comic Fest, it's to keep it grounded and focused with a whole lot of things to do, and still something for everyone, and it's because during the first years of Comic Fest, it attracted an older crowd, and so I didn't, I didn't like it just being geriatrical. I said, you know, we can do something for the younger crowd too. It's got to be something that you know. I so I start inviting creators who have an established past in comic history or animation history, but are still working actively, so they can you know talk about stuff from you know way back when, stuff they're doing now, and stuff for the future. So there's you know that past, present, future vibe for the old, the middle-aged, and the young. And so there's something for everyone. There should always be something for everyone at a convention.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I I
2: agree. I gotta ask, as someone who used to help run Denver Comic Fest, do you guys uh, give a little bit of love to all the local talent there? Yes, we do. Um, We have a very prolific
1: artist alley, and we'd like to keep it short. Our artist alley tables are only $25. Honestly, we would do them for free, but when we did them in the past, people would sign up and not take them, so... I think $25 is just low enough to solidify a commitment so that you will show up for right. it. So, you know, I, you know, I always, you know, give special treatment to all the local stores. I say, do you want to, you know, do an exhibitor space and so sort of thing because your retailers are your bread and butter of your community. So I am always doing an outreach with local artists, local writers. And of course we bring in scientific guests as well. It's great to see like, you know, a panel like last year there's a panel with our science fiction guest of honor, Nancy Crest, talking to my friend Ron, who has a PhD in regenerative biology, talking about the science fiction and science fact of Frankenstein. And then Ron has also doctored like, you know, theoretical papers on vampire outbreaks and zombie outbreaks and even the biology of Godzilla. And he does that kind of stuff with IDW publishing and talking about like here's the mutant, you know, mutagenic power and biology of the teenage mutant ninja turtles. So it's that it's so cool to hear stuff like that go up.
2: That is awesome. And to start narrowing it more to where we're going, um, who are you going to be bringing on for that uh Spider-Man animated series panel?
1: For the Spider-Man animated series panel, um, it is definitely going to be me and series creator John Semper, who was the you know mastermind behind Spider-Man: The Animated Series, and really made it what it was. And of course, we may have a couple surprises here for the guests. I can't say just yet, but you know we have some surprises.
2: Ooh. <laughs> That's cool. And for those listening that wanna, you know, do their homework, uh our, you know, Father podcast has done some great interviews with people in the animated series before, so uh
0: somewhere a little while ago though, right, Kane? Uh y- yeah, the I think I think Dan I think it was just Dan. Mark might have been there. But <laughs> on the Amazing Spider Talk, I think he did like a two and a half hour interview with uh John Semper and then another sizable one with um chris barnes so plenty plenty of homework to do if you guys want to become experts overnight in that uh that animated series spider-man before you dive into this one or before you go out to the uh san diego comic fest Yeah, you know, let's 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 move into the uh oh uh, yeah yeah the thing at hand so um uh, we got a twofer actually for you guys, uh, this episode, first time we're going to be doing it, uh, doing this on the show. Um, but since we did Peter and MJ's second honeymoon last episode with our coverage of Spirits of the Earth, uh, we thought, why don't we follow this up with their first one seen in the pages of, uh, 1987's spectacular a- uh, Spider-Man.
1: I didn't know you, uh, you were also a big fan of Spirit of the Earth, so I realize I have a copy in fact, um, I even got uh, Charles Vess to sign it for me at the 2009 Comic-Con. That was cool because oh, wow. that, oh, first issue, that first <laughs> issue I bought of, or that I got of Spider-Man, that holographic one, it had a poster by Charles Vess that mm-hmm. you could just fold out of, like, he drew black costume Spider-Man chasing Hobgoblin across the... New York skyline. I told him how I loved that picture as a kid. And of course it's in my part, it's in my living room, but like, yeah, I still have that poster from when I was a kid. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot, I totally that forgot down, spirits uh, of the I earth got... was the first honeymoon. This is a so, beautiful story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So second honeymoon in spirits of the earth. And then first honeymoon, and Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, annual number seven. And then after that, we're going to be jumping in to the animated series in uh, the season five two-parter Return of the Hydra Man, uh, which uh, you've got season five, episode seven, which is the first part. And then uh, episode eight, which is the second part, which kind of leads into the biggest cliffhanger of the series, which is technically never resolved. Um or is it? We will be getting to that. But first, let's talk about this annual. It was is written by Jim Owsley. Layouts by Alan Kruppberg. Finishing art, or finished art, rather, by Jim Fern and Al Migram. Colors by Rick Parker. And letters by Jim Calicrup. Uh, just a weird note uh, for a bizarre gag, I, I guess, that I'm not in on. Everyone decided to credit their middle initial as C in this. So we have... It, it, like it, it, I mean, uh I, I know Al Migram's middle initial is L, but we you know, we have G- James C. Owsley, Alan C. Kruppberg, Jim C. Fur, like everyone just took the middle initial C for this, I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I'm going to find the reason for that, because Rick Parker is a good friend of mine. And, oh, yeah, Le- Rick Parker, the letterer, is a friend of mine, and I'm going to get to the bottom of this story. He always threw in gag stuff like this, and later on, his gag humor ended up getting him the gig as the cartoonist of Beavis and Butthead.
0: <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, yeah, you'll definitely have to fill us in, um, you know, when, when you figure find that out we'll either attach it to the end of the episode or or in the show notes or something we'll figure it out but yes yeah, i yeah, read awesome. this
1: issue last night and actually giving myself a refresher because i realized i did read this one back when i was like in middle school it must have been 12 when i read it my mom gave me a big box of 80s comics, and so that was my introduction to like Frank Miller, Daredevil, and all these Spider-Man annuals. But it's like I can't—I re- hadn't remembered if I had read it, but I found it in the dollar bin at one of my local comic stores, and I was reading this, and I was like, "Oh wow, this takes me back!" And you know, I love the artwork on it. It's not like Alan Cooperberg is one of those guys that you identify as one of a standout artists. But the thing is, it's just adhering to a house style that they used in the 80s that everybody has to look like John Romita Sr. Right. So, I mean, Ron Friends was the ultimate Saint Romita Sr. mimic. But if you had Al Milgram inks, you would look like Romita.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. For sure. For sure. Um Let's see. Speaking of, speaking of diving into the dollar bin to find this one, uh normally normally this is the part of the episode where we tell people where you can find this lovely issue, and unfortunately, that's pretty much going to be the only place you're going to be able to find it. Uh it's not on Marvel Unlimited, it's not on Comixology. Um, you know, it is very cheap. You know, if you go to my comic shop or eBay, you can get one you know like uh, uh, i think i think uh, the cheapest one i saw was a, a buck 80 uh so it's it's not it's not an expensive one and if you can't find it within the regular stacks at your shop uh just start diving through the um through the the dollar bins you'll probably find that and a few other puma stories cuz uh, he he liked to show up a lot around this era oh yeah
1: uh. everybody loves puma everybody's favorite craven knockoff <laughs>
0: And then as far as the episodes for the cartoon series, uh, the animated series right now, as far as I can tell, is not on any streaming service, but it's on a few video-on-demand services. Yeah, you can find Uh, it on
1: Amazon Prime. I'm actually going to be re-watching it soon. I realize, you know what? Yes, some people have offered me third-party alternatives to it, but I respect the series too much to not give it the respect and despite my dislike of Amazon, what I'll I'll cave and
0: buy it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you can find some bootlegs of people Uh, you know, on Blu-ray, but since I don't think there were any like high definition releases of this, I I assume no. Because the
1: problem with that is because John had the freedom to use characters from all over the Marvel universe. So you could use the X-Men, you could use Daredevil, you could use Fantastic mm -hmm. Four. And since those characters have gone on to different production studios owning their licenses, not everyone wants to play along with the use of those characters. So that's why there has not been a definitive release except for a few DVD selections over the years in America. I mean, there's complete sets in Europe when those rules don't abide, but in the United States, you got to play a tug-of-war game with Disney.
0: Right. (laughs) Which no one ever wants to do. But all right uh, uh my esteemed co-host you've been uh uncharacteristically quiet is there anything you want to you know put in edgewise before we dive into the uh synopsis for this spectacular episode or issue
2: put in before the synopsis uh i can't think of anything no um i i actually i'll change my mind on that uh <laughs> uh other matt i I don't know i can't even call you matt d i don't know i don't know how we're gonna (laughs) handle this just call (laughs) me (laughs) dunfer okay um so you said craven knockoff uh i did some background on puma reading just earlier issues with the character because i'd never read puma before and we're slated to read this i'm like "I, i should know what's up i i should do my homework so i I'm going through and reading Puma. I'm getting the sense much more that they wanted kind of a racial ghoul kind of character for Spider-Man because he comes in pretty early and just shows up to Peter's apartment. He's like, "Hey, I know you're Spider-Man. Here's some money. Let's go fight the Beyonder." And so <laughs> he
1: is. Of course, and you can see it in the uh in the like mutton chops on the side. He does have the Ross Al Ghoul hair and um but you see like per his costume. You see those muscles, you see the fluff on the side right here. You see the right. things around the neck. He is just basically, for those
2: who can't see he's kinda of pointing to the shoulders where there's some nice He uh, fur.
1: is very much a craven knockoff. So the entire nineteen seventies you know, period of Spider-Man, which is, you know, I, I don't think it's the best period in the world of Spider-Man because it was a period of character knockoffs because you tried to take the classic villain tropes that had worked so successfully under the Ditko and Romita regime and try to invent slightly edgier versions of them. Remember Dr. Vincent Stegron? He was a lizard knockoff. <laughs> Hydro-Man was a Sandman knockoff.
2: Around these parts, Stegron is Sacred ground. okay? <laughs> <laughs> And you and then or, you had the you, and you had the vulture that looked like Mo. Mm-hmm. Look, the cave art yeah. of Spider-Man villains is where we live. So,
1: <laughs> so
2: the 1970s oh, was
1: basically just like all knockoff characters, just trying to repeat the success of it. Because, like you know, when when I tell people, all right, other than the death of Gwen Stacy, name a significant Spider-Man
2: moment that happened in the 70s. Uh, Stegron bringing all the dinosaurs back on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I, you have a point there. But it was a lot of rehash because this is an era where to get to those older comics was basically impossible for most people. So they were literally kind of instructed to find a way to cleverly rehash because most people weren't going back. And...
1: See this issue here in the corner, the little like cornery thingy. The note. Pick up this issue for the backstory. So that was the thing that happened mm.
2: right there. Mm yeah it was just it was the era and you are spot on uh yeah i don't know so um how do we want to sum up spectacular for owsley uh kane
0: okay. yeah yeah i was so before before we jump in there are two big plot points you really need to have for the like the context behind this and the first is a really obvious one it's that peter peter and mary jane got married uh so you know or or, <laughs> or for the purposes not, of
2: this era they got married <laughs>
0: Yes. <laughs> um. And so, and then the second one is is kind of what we've been touching on is the whole backstory of the Puma, who is this like yeah like Craven kind of looking uh, you know character, but you know, Owsley really was kind enough to recap all the important bits at the beginning of this comic. Um. And,
1: and oh, important things like any- Secret Wars too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know I, I, we, we Important is very relative On the untold talks of Spider-Man We glazed over the pooping
2: So there's that the, For the, I'm sorry for those who don't know There's a very famous scene where Spider-Man has to teach The Beyonder how to poop because it's his first time In true corporeal form And Mind you
1: I own a hundred dollar Collected edition of Secret Wars 2 Was it <laughs> <Sorry>. worth
0: it? <laughs> This is the pain of being a completionist. <laughs> it was worth it to have that check in the box. This um, an
1: example of everything it shouldn't be. The, f- <laughs>
0: the first time is right now. It finally came in handy. <laughs> there we go. There. You, yeah. Exactly. All right. Okay. So. Um, so th- this, this issue starts out with, like, like we've been saying, Peter and MJ, uh, leaving for, uh, well, it starts out with a, a recap about the Puma and the Puma kind of learning from his uncle that Puma has some sort of honor debt to Spider-Man for his assistance with the Beyonder because this was apparently Puma's sacred task was to protect the tribe, uh, because he's a Native American, from, uh, from the Beyonder. And because Spider-Man assisted him in this, Puma owes a debt that has remained unpaid to Spider-Man. Then we quick cut over to southern France, where uh, Peter and MJ are on their honeymoon, which we very quickly find out is like the bachelor pad of one of Mary Jane's exes, which... Um, that's how you call me. I was like, call me an old fashioned, <laughs> but you know, if I'm ever going on a honeymoon, I'm not going to be like calling up my ex to be like, hey, do you still have that house? Um, because one, I don't think I have dated anyone who owns a house. That's not true. But um, <laughs> second, I wouldn't really want to honeymoon to her house because it's not in the best neighborhood. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's, it's just it's a it's a strange beat. And I mean, part of this is to set up the uh, the, the tension between the, the Peter Parker and Mary Jane side of the story is peter kind of realizing uh you know kind of kind of coming down back back to earth after this marriage is that like mary Chain jane is used to a very lavish lifestyle and peter is a freelance photographer who you know in a few months in continuity will be like vaguely homeless um (laughs) you know and and so we we get a lot of that but like I, I, did you guys also find it kind of weird that it was like, oh yeah, like you know, uh, I I rejected this guy's advances, so his next turn was here. Borrow my house for your honeymoon.
1: Uh, yeah, that's kind that of said- a weird thing. Is like I'm, uh, I've uh, made some mistakes toward you, Mary Jane, but uh, I want to make it up to you with a uh, luxurious uh, stay at my uh, villa. And uh, don't worry, I've turned the cameras off. <laughs>
0: I was about to say, like, you know, first thing I'd be doing is one, checking for cameras. Second, I've seen this horror movie, it doesn't end well for anyone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: premise. It's sort of a thing. And, of course, I feel like the story that we see here, this it does kind of like, looking back at it, it does feel like some of the setups that Cooperberg uh, did for, like, Archie comics. So that does, you know, come in here. It's just like the whole thing that comes in. Peter does a whole, whole lot of inner monologuing with the dialogue. Entire dialogue, bu- uh, like thought balloons take up entire panels around Peter's face as he does that, you know, legendary Peter Parker stare like this, thinking like, oh, she's a professional model. She travels places like this all the time. I can barely afford the rent in my photographer places. MJ's used to running with high stakes circles. She's used to dating guys like this Bruce character. I love her with all my heart. Yet I can't wonder. But then, you know, she just thinks I've lost him again. So how am I going to get this? Oh, I'm going to take off my clothes and run into the ocean.
0: I mean, that would get (laughs) my attention. (laughs) <laughs> uh yes for sure uh which which kind of leads me to my next point is that like this whole issue paints peter in like such a jealous and insecure light and i I'm, you know i'm wondering like you know is like it's it's not like this is not a very flattering issue for him it's not a flattering <laughs> issue for him but it's the ultimate
1: parker luck issue
0: Oh, yes. Oh, yes, for sure. I I was I was going to say that, like, we don't really see a lot of this in, you know, modern Spider-Man kind of like this darker Ditko kind of side to him where he has that kind of like. You know, that that inner frustration that, that seems to almost be, like, boiling over behind him, like, you know, you see he goes to the, he and MJ go to this fancy diner, and I say diner, it's a restaurant, um... You know, and and Peter's like chafing against the tuxedo he's wearing and Mary Jane's saying that I never thought I could be married, but like I just can't get this goofy smile off of my face and he's like thinking in his head, Well, check uh, you know, try looking at the prices, that might do it. And 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 then all of like like, Mary Jane's old model friends run in her like,
1: Mary Jane, what are you doing in France? Oh, is it this oh you're married now? Let us take you out on the town. It's like and Peter's like, Man, I can't even get a night with my freaking new wife? like like, we go out and think and you drag her away from me i'm trying to spend this week here
0: one i i love the accent uh you know uh i i'm I'm feeling like you have some voice acting jobs there um you definitely have you're definitely cast for my uh radio reenactment of this this issue um and and but like yeah yeah it's just it's so much one after one after one after the other. And we just, we don't see this side of Peter Parker anymore. I, I want to say probably like sometime around, uh, probably the chapter one, they kind of like scrubbed him of like a lot of this anger, I guess. And, and we, we see, we see a much more like even tempered Peter and he like really only gets set off in these moods when something like horrible happens. So it it was, it was interesting. It's it's an adjusting Peter Parker because it's like, you know, this is a big issue. They want to say like,
1: okay, so now you're dealing with a married Peter Parker. And the thing is, you know, he's having to deal with the whole thing of her being dragged away from him when he tries to deal with that, because it's an interesting parallel because, you know, we're so used to seeing him dragged away from MJ to do superhero stuff, but to see the opposite here, that's why I like right.
2: this plot. I yeah, I like that too. I also like the fact that we're seeing the most Peter Parker side of this where he'll always do the right thing. Eventually. He's going to grumble <laughs> about some stuff first. And this is him dealing with actually having a supermodel life and how it's not all the upside. Dealing with that to me I felt somewhat interesting. Because you don't normally see him dealing with that fact. You normally just have this beautiful wife at home and everything's usually relatively okay or super high dramatic. But here Mary Jane's trying to tone down the drama, but he's dealing with some rational emotions and the fact that he's mostly uncomfortable with himself for the fact that he's not pulling in the money that he needs to be doing and realizing he has to be responsible for kind of a family now, which should have been something of growing up. And I feel like the comic kind of muddles that message
0: right and that's that's a very interesting point that you bring up because like so many people like when they talk about the the peter and mary jane like what or marriage they say well you know how is he supposed to be the everyman if he's like dating this like gorgeous supermodel like the like how is that every man and i think this is a good example you realize it comes
1: is... with some problems <laughs>
0: yeah exactly <laughs> when like you date a beautiful it's... woman
1: trust me it comes with problems it's just seeing what peter is dealing with here dealing with sleaze bags, and you see him just like with this like like fingers against his head with this dealing with this creep as mary jane like smiles shyly, and like, and he's Peter's like, I just want to suck you in the face, go away, leave me and my wife alone. <laughs> it's like you—you you can just see his anger and his frustration and wanting to lash out on things.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's like we said, like it—it it, it persists throughout the comic, and I—I I think. I think for, for the better, uh, I, I think, I think this is again, like, uh, an interesting, uh, aspect of the story. We, we might not necessarily see that often. Um, but, you know, a- after we've kind of like established that beat, we, we move on to the Spider-Man-y part of the story where we've got, uh, Thomas Firestone, aka the, uh, the Puma, who, you know, realizes, you know, uh, the behest of his uncle needs to make some sort of amends with Spider Man, he he sets up this job for Spider Man, and and this this job offer where he's you know he said my my people have who are definitely not the League of Assassins or anything, but they seem to have. Unlimited amounts of surveillance and like science know-how and whatever have ascertained that you are a frustrated physicist, and we we're willing to offer you a job of eighty thousand dollars or uh, yeah yeah eighty thousand dollars a year. Uh, you know you have to work with me. We can be Puma and Spider Man. Uh, you know you can decline any mission that you don't feel comfortable with doing. Blah 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 blah. And and then so that that's kind of the 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 second layer on this comic is Spider-Man kind of like, and, and Peter kind of wrestling with, well, do I take this job? Cause something doesn't quite feel right with this, but it'd be good money. And like, you know, and you know, will I be uh, the kind of person that can prov- provide the life Mary Jane, you know, deserves if I don't take this job. And, and I felt like this, this side of the story kind of f- fell a little flatter to me than, than the, the, um, drama, I guess, with between, with Peter's inner turmoil, I felt was stronger than this. You know, a Puma Spider Man kind of tiff. What, what, what did you guys think?
1: Um, yeah, I did like the inner turmoil that you do see with Peter here. He's saying, like, I don't want to have to get in bed with this guy, but I want to be able to have a good job and provide for <laughs> Mary Jane because I'm having to deal with sleazy guys all night. And so that just makes me, it's making him more competitive that he does want to, you know, fight for her and get, like, you know, to be a little more equal ground because he does want to be the breadwinner. And I mean, it's kind of hard to compete with a supermodel, but you do see him
2: as a legitimate motivator for that and so it's like fine i'll play your game i i like the idea of the setup for it the problem is is that the poom was supposed to be making nice with spider-man and basically all spider-man's supposed to go steal a bobble a mcguffin a mcdoodle whatever faber's egg (laughs) i think it was yeah a literal faber's egg right And things go awry, mostly because the Puma kind of sets him up to fail by giving him kind of odd information isn't working with how Spider-Man would operate. Not realizing that Spider-Man can, like, climb walls, so when he's stealing stuff, he might not go a more uh, certain route. The, The whole thing just seems odd to me because there's no nefarious... Thing here. It's just they're not working together well. But Spider Man gives up on this so that he can go work with J. Jonah Jameson again. Like, it, it just feels like he'd put in a little more effort for the. to, to do right by Mary Jane, which is set up.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, you'll find that there's that ever that ever-responding trope in the Spider-Man universe that just goes for it. Will Peter, like, okay, I work as a photographer, but I have a chemical engineering degree. So it's like, I'm going to get set up as a scientist for a while and fall back to photography. And then I become a scientist for a while and I fall back to photography. And it's back and forth, back and forth, over and over again. It's the It follows that whole trope that um, Julia Schwartz uh, of DC Comics once said, the key to writing superheroes is this: create the illusion of change without anything ever changing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. Um, Do you have anything else on this <laughs> issue, Kay? Yeah, no, no. I was I was gonna say, you know, we we take it to the end, and you know, like like uh, our our esteemed guest said, you know, we we have the illusion of change, like the illusion that like Peter might. Consider this and then but then he kind of realizes that he has to do this on his own. He realizes that the Puma set him up, uh, you know, and, you know, he has this this great kind of like r- angry rant. You know, but he kind of realizes he's just as good as anyone else. Yeah. So it's
1: Peter. It- it's Peter finding his balls here. But the thing is, what stands out for me the most is just you know, is this a story of Parker Luck saying like, okay, he gives me the costume. I've got the webbing. Ah, the webbing's weak. I gotta make my own. Oh wait, oops! I accidentally made acid webbing. And that moment that when I was reading this issue last night, I was like, okay, you got this. You got this. Ah, ha, ha. You got this. Alright, gonna get away and say, like, you got the egg. Oh, oh it fell. Oh, got webbed it. I'm like, oh Pete, no, 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 no. And the acid webbing <laughs> destroyed the Fabergé egg.
2: hmm
0: but then like later it was drawn, it seemed to be fine. But you know, but but yes, yes, the, the dialogue informs us that the egg has been completely destroyed, or at least defaced uh to the point where it's you know junk uh because the the antiquity has been ruined um but you know it, it, and it, you know it ends with the the kind of the debt settled with uh you know Puma agreeing that he'll you know respect Peter And remove all of the information he has on on him and stop kind of like popping up in his life. You know, whether or not this actually comes to fruition or not is to be determined in later issues. But, you know, for now, everything seems to be square and we, you know, we, we finish out in this, this little one and done annual. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's, that's my final, final notes on that one. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to say before we move on to the, uh, animated?
1: Uh, no, I just thought it was a very fun Parker Lux story and really just, you know, hits the right notes. It's, not the most memorable story in the world but I certainly enjoyed it. It had good story beats. It had, you know, some good things. And it had Peter coming out in the end after, you know, realizing internal struggle because, you know, he realized I've got my shortcomings, but I can get over them. And that's what makes you a hero. At the end of at the end of the day, it's a Peter Parker story, not a Spider-Man story.
0: Well, it is a Peter Parker spectacular sp- story. <laughs> yeah, ah, there you go. There you go. How how about you? How about you Matt the co-host? <laughs> all right well let's let's move on let's move on to the animated show so you know once again since we're all talking about honeymoons here uh the 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 context for this if if you don't remember you don't you know if your your childhood memories aren't you know uh filled with uh sitting in front of the television probably way too close and you know face literally glued to the television uh so the 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 animated series goes through some similar story beats uh and the way they handle the death of Gwen Stacy is instead of Gwen Stacy it's Mary Jane and she doesn't die she kind of goes through like she falls off the bridge yeah into a portal never to be seen and then and then we have the cliffhanger uh, and i believe the cliffhanger for the end of the fourth season is that mary jane comes back the first episode of the fifth season is their wedding and then and then we have a few episodes in between and then we are to their honeymoon
1: so the cool thing there is what i love about the Spider-Man animated series is it took classic Spider-Man stories that weren't really very good, and it made them a lot more exciting. Like, when you read Secret Wars, I would waited all my life to read Secret Wars, then I read it as an adult, and then Secret Wars sucked, but it was so awesome (laughs) on the show. The Spider-Man show made Secret Wars great. Um, When you read The Wedding of Spider-Man, it's Really nothing special. It's a wedding. But on the cartoon, they get like ambushed by like, you know, the giant Kingpin spider slayer and Harry Osborne as the green goblin threatening to marry Mary Jane and like Black Cat shows up. It's it's a throwdown at your wedding. It's awesome. It's like it was so much cooler than anything they did on the show. So it was just like take these classic stories and make them cooler. Make you actually wanna buy the action figures and recreate these things and make these sort of battles fight out. That was the coolest thing about it. Anyway how the episode begins of the honeymoon is Peter and MJ are going up to Niagara Falls and they're taking that busted-ass old van and he's like, Peter, are you sure we're going to make the... Uh we're going to make the ship? It's like, oh, yeah, Mary Jane, we're, we're going to get make-go on the boat. I know we're running late. And so they get there, and it's like, oh, no, Peter, it's already, it's already too late. And it's like, don't worry, MJ, I got this. And he, like, grabs her, grabs the suitcase, and just high leaps it and, like, boom, jumps it. And then all of a sudden just lands on the boat. And then you see the dark silhouette of a mysterious figure emerge from the water. It is none other than Mori Bench. Or, 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 or Bench. Maury Beck. Uh, was he Beck or Bench? Bench. I think
0: it was Bench yeah. Bench. Bench.
1: yeah, it was one of those things. It was yeah. kind of an unfamiliar last name. Maury Bench. And the Hydro Man emerges, and then he just like water splashes Peter. He's like, get away from her! he's like, Maury, what did you do to my husband? And he's like, husband?!
0: <laughs> I'm loving this dramatic reenactment of, uh, of, of the cartoon. Because like, I mean, I, I just watched it today, and it's I mean, beat for beat.
1: <laughs> uncanny. I haven't seen um, it
0: in over twenty years. <laughs> like even the one liners. Um. Yeah. So so we get the return of Hydro Man, who also has you know he, he, he did not die, but he dissolved in front of them. And they uh, yeah. Never and saw so him again.
1: The, the key strength <laughs> of the Spider Man cartoon, John Semper has always told me, it's not Spider Man. It may be called Spider Man, mm-hmm. but it's the Peter Parker show. And right. as we talked right. about earlier. Um, starting in 1994, the Fox network started instilling some strong restrictions on the network. In fact, they could not even say the word death or dead on Spider Man. So, Spider Man actually was not allowed to hit anyone with his fists. So, right. John used this as a strong, as a strong story po- storytelling, write, storytelling point. He wanted to show how smart Spider Man was and that he could solve, he could find ways to defeat his enemies without using his fists. And I thought that's a very admirable trait in the writing, and so that stands out from Spider Man. So how Spider Man beat initially, um, Hydro Man was he chases Mary Jane inland into into the into the center of New York City, and then Spider Man realizes that um, he's not, he's getting weaker as this happens, and he's it's like you're evaporating. Now you need to move back closer to the water, or else you're going to die. And he uses this opportunity to try to attack Spider Man, just tries to attack him, misses, and boom, and just evaporates. Right. So
0: then. Yeah, and, then and then he's not seen again until. And he's not until seen this...
1: again until this episode. And it's like, wait, wait, we thought you died. And so there's some uh, mystery here. So anyway, what happens is Hydro Man takes Mary Jane and just like, just, just like, you know, whisks her away into the water. And like, where is she? What happened? And in earlier episodes, Mary Jane, when Peter asked Mary Jane about, like, you know, where have you been all this time before you finally came back? Mary Jane is back, (laughs) but she talks about, like, having these visions. There's, like, a pirate ship. There's a man who says you can't go home. And then so later in this episode, Peter starts following these clues. It's like, all right, so Mary Jane's jealous ex-boyfriend, Maury, is back in this episode, and I need to find what is going on here. And so Peter starts following these mysterious clues. He does the, he does his detective work. He says like, okay, she said something about a pirate ship and he goes to the restaurant on 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 the docks that shaped like a pirate ship. It's like, "Hey, do you know this girl?" "Oh yes, she came in soaking wet." I told her, "You can't go home. We have to get you a change of clothes." And then Peter follows these clues one by one, and eventually, like, leading him into this... Mary Dane said something about a toy store, and he looks for the nearby toy store and finds that it's, like, an outpost for spider slayers, because, I mean, they have to uh, make some... uh, Yeah, why not? Make some, (laughs) why not? And so he goes in, and as far as they identify him, Spider-Man is here, we gotta get... But then he finds this underground railway that just takes him into a laboratory. So the hunt is finally completed... And he finds Mary Jane, he finds Maury, and saying he's like, no, no, you were Mary Jane. Don't you realize you were made for me? I wasn't made for you. I'm my own woman. No, you were literally made for me. It's like, Maury, you've lost your mind. And at that point, that's where we get a familiar face come in. No, Spider-Man, she was made for him. Who the hell are you? My name is Dr. Miles Warren. And, of course, if you were a child of the 90s reading Spider-Man comics... You knew You're who Miles Warren was, because I'm a child of the 90s, and I love the Clone Saga. <laughs> Miles Warren, who, of course, was the Jackal, and then it's revealed Mary Jane is a clone that was brought back with Hydro Man-like power. Right, right. And I'm like, you don't flip the Clone Saga on its goddamn head.
0: <laughs> yeah, so so this this leads not only into kind of like their own brief clone saga but then we also have you know a small i think two three episode jaunt through secret war and then onto a proto spider verse um but well it, it is uh we actually we uh dan uh, from from our our no uh, dan gavazden from our our father brother familial tied podcast uh (laughs) recently actually just managed to uh pry some nuggets of information out of dan slot uh in asking him if the cartoon had any sort of relevance or inspiration what dan slot actually said was what inspired the spider verse was when he worked on the video game oh gosh which one was it with the the it was it. it was it was the one with uh spider-man 2099 uh, I was, I think. which um, is something of time yeah which is funny because that one was written
2: by david uh peter david so it's i, I don't know how much slot was involved in that one
0: so it's well, interesting yeah either way slot said that like you know or maybe it was the one that had all four of them i don't know anyway, oh yeah um the it was he said that you know we couldn't be you know we couldn't really have them all playing together and then he realized well we got the comic book we, we can have them all playing together in the comic book but anyway so we, before we get too far off topic
1: we learned that mary jane is a clone she is a, her own she is hydro mary jane and miles warren makes the confession that unfortunately the process between the two of you was rushed and you still cannot hold molecular structure You are both going to die. And, like, Hydro Man's like, no, no, she has to be with me. She has to be with me. It's going to happen. And then the thing is they both just start evaporating. And then there's this, like, horrible moment as Miles Warren hits the self-destruct thing. He's like, no, Mord, get back here. You have to fix her. You have to fix her. And Hydro Man's gone. And then Mary Jane is just, like, crying these tears that absorb into her own flesh And that she's just becoming this water form, like, no, like, Peter, stop. I'm going, I'm going, no, no, you're not, you're not. And he's just so desperate, and he's just, like, grabbing at her and just trying to hold on It's like, and she says this heartbreaking thing. But if anything is, anything of me is like the real Mary Jane, I know that she loves Peter Parker more than anything in this world. And that's like, and then she evaporates, and Peter just loses it.
2: But she didn't die, she evaporates. (laughs) she'll rain back down
0: right um so yeah i mean this is probably one of the more infamous like most infamous uh timeline not timeline storylines in this cartoon series one because like this is just emotionally devastated like an entire generation of eight-year-olds um but like uh, second, because it ends on this cliffhanger. It ends like the, the, the episode ends with, you know, Peter kind of like mourning. He's back at the, the bridge and, and then Madam Webb pops up like she do. And, you know, she's like, well, uh, you know, you better get ready because this stuff I've been telling you that I've been training you for is about to happen. And and then he's he basically says get bent i'm i'm you know uh, i'm going through a lot right now and she's like well let me throw you this bone and say that mary jane's actually alive out there somewhere and so like you know dangling the carrot that like okay like we'll we'll, we'll approach this at a, a later time but unfortunately this is the last season they never get to that do they
1: or do they i don't know come to uh, san diego comic fest and find out
0: <laughs> that's that's one way um if you contributed to John Semper's Indiegogo from a few years ago, meaning it's too late now, <laughs> uh, the entry tier reward was a copy of a screenplay he wrote that uh, finished out the series and uh, and and ended that cliffhanger. Uh, it's. You can find a summary of it online. Someone, someone was kind enough to summarize it, but you can't find a uh, copy of it because, I mean, one, it was a, a reward tier, so that'd be kind of scummy to just put that online. I, I
1: have a, I have a confession to make, or a done-fession in my case. Oh. John Semper, he said, Matt, for being such a loyal, honest fan from the start to the finish and all this, you are going to be the first person on Earth to have a copy of it. Oh. And I was given the first copy of it. You know what? to this day I have not read it. Oh. I have wow. not read it. There's a part of me that can't bring myself to read it because that means when I do read it, it's over for good. Right.
0: No, I am I'm, I'm with you right there and like I I also had not really looked into it for similar reasons, but then today I just figured you you know what? Like let's let's do it. Like I, I it's not it's not the real thing cuz like like I said, someone no one has posted like the the full version and good for them for that. But like there is the summary and I read the summary it's wild.
1: Like, once again not no like,
0: for me. yeah yeah i'm not i'm not gonna say anything i'm not gonna say anything but like it's weird <laughs> and like in like in a thing, a way that i think would be fun to see like clearly we're never gonna see it because like unless someone does it like fan style but um come to com- come- yeah. comic yeah. Fest. see what see what happens yeah okay all right all right and th- that's all you're gonna say on that gotcha gotta come uh... to comic fest yeah <laughs> but all right uh once again my co-host matt you've been uncharacteristically quiet what, what, what are your thoughts on this this episode like i i know you you're a little bit older than i am Jesus. Um, so, <laughs> all i was gonna say was did you watch this happen on tv <laughs> Um, I
2: might have even missed this when it originally aired, but I I, I found a way to watch it, uh, illicitly, because I couldn't find a illicit way to watch it first. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I don't know, going through it, it, it was a stark reminder of in my more edgy, you know, God, was it even middle school at that point? I don't know what year it lined up to, but, uh... 97. Uh, I don't want to do the math, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. Going back to it, it just reminded me of everything I didn't like about the cartoon more so, which was just the endless shouting of Mary Jane, which is burned (laughs) into my mind, Uh, which we covered uh, recently with a Doc Ock uh, issue that we talked about. And uh, this, these two episodes were the height of that and playing off um, a number of things that, you know, through the years I've read through the comics in different ways and inserting the Hydro Man and having Hydro Mary Jane, I just couldn't help myself. Every time there was a Hydro Mary Jane kind of thing they were talking about, I couldn't help but think, like, you know, in Boulder, Colorado, we love our Hydro Mary Jane and uh, we just <laughs> never uh, take it. Kind of, <laughs> zing! I... It's just, uh, this to me was like the corniest episodes of the animated. And it was just a reminder of me to like, I loved the comics and the cartoon helped get me there. But at this point in the cartoon series, I was kind of like, well, it's not the real Spider-Man. And all that, all that emotion just came back to me all at once. I was like, yeah, well, it's just the cartoon, whatever, which is the worst way to view it. I know. And I know people love it and I loved it for a time too. But I, I think having looked through and remembering where the cartoon went and remembering how they handled the Hobgoblin and all this great, cool stuff that were like twists and churns and plays off the comics originally. And sometimes even I think pulling from the older cartoons in some odd ways, uh, this These two issues, are or two episodes, are just, like, everything that I didn't like about it, like, calcified into two episodes, and most everything else is amazing. I've gone back a number of times and found a way to watch those last three episodes, the Spider-Verse, for lack of a better thing, because I love that multiverse play.
0: Yeah, Spider-Wars. Spider-Wars. Wars.
2: I... I don't know. I I loved it. And then um, seeing that play through in a number of different ways. I just that's always been front of mind for me as far as the cartoon. What an ending. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I know this helped us get there, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- th- these two episodes are definitely, I think, the series at its most like soap operatic. Because uh, I mean, yeah, we we yeah we we got clones, we got oil rigs exploding, you know, mm-hmm. we got we got people dying, people coming back to life, we got like uh you know Black Cat talking about uh you know her vampire boyfriend in Europe. <laughs> um, yeah, that yeah, that whole see that block stuff is was... dope. I love that stuff.
2: <laughs> also part of the reason i don't like these ep- last two episodes as much is because they had less of that weird cgi background stuff that was kind of a look that th- the that the that doesn't that store. doesn't age well i know but my mom helped create it so i'm really personally tied really? to it yeah she worked for a uh animation or an animation software that the studio then used to create that. So it's very, it's very tangential, but I, I'm very personally connected to it. So. Well, you learned something. New it doesn't every age day. well, but I thought it was just the coolest thing back in the time. It's like, oh my god, there's 3D, and
1: this was like, mind you, a year before Toy Story. So I'm like, oh yeah.
2: Yeah, not yeah. quite Pixar
1: in uh, hindsight. <laughs> quite, but you know, they did a whole lot of research to make sure that the New York cityscapes were up to uh, up to the standard on things, and that they were accurate. But I mean, before and the, the webs
2: actually connected to something when he was swinging, right? Like they're yeah. supposed to vaguely at least be somewhere.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> All right, well, uh, you know, as far as, like, comparisons go, there aren't too many, like, the, like, there, like, Peter mentions, like, one time when he's driving the jalopy of, of the, the van, just, like, how, in his head, just wondering, like, you know, is, is he gonna really have enough money to support this whole family thing, and that's really the only connection with the other honeymoon issue, uh, clearly clearly there there were other comics that were that they were pulling from for this episode rather than the,
1: and know, then don't forget miles off. warren taking the little uh piece of spider-man's uh spider-man's uh uniform it's like let the boss know i have some unusually good news <laughs> leading to the
0: yeah, spider so, so, yeah. yeah we got to set up that the you know more spider clones but, um, yeah, you know it it's, it was it was a fun little like jaunt back down memory lane because it's been a while since I've watched any of those. <laughs> well, we still have the uh, the web of ranking. All right. <laughs> Um. Uh, so I, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and say that. Uh. Since this has been mostly comics, and by mostly I mean exclusively comics, we're like the 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 animated series well, is gonna sit uh, like so. We on have one sides. exception. Wait. Yeah. What? There is a trash fire at the bottom of our list. <laughs> uh. In case you don't know, our esteemed guest Matt, the uh, bottom of the list is Trouble. Uh. The the Mark Miller. Uh, are, you, are you familiar with that one? Oh, he owns oh, it. He, he's going to go grab it. He, he is there it. a Uh ah.
1: My name is Matthew Ryan Dunford. I own a signed sketched copy by Mark Millar and by Terry Dotson. They all signed it for me because, you know what? I am the first person in the world to tell them, I love this book. It's funny.
0: See, I think that's I <laughs> funny and Matt. Matt just Matt just took a big old doo doo on me that entire
1: episode. (laughs) No, it's like I have like done lectures on this book. I mean, Trouble, the most hated Spider Man story of all time. I said, you know, I hate One More Day, but you know, a lot of people say, you know, Trouble. And like the thing is, like the reason that people hate this story is because when it came out, people acted like it was an in continuity story. It's not. It's an outside of continuity story. It's a funny story about Aunt May and Uncle Ben just totally being hoes. We don't need to dive into
2: trouble again. We almost didn't have a podcast after last time.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, uh, Matt, let's see. Where 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 do you want to put this? So uh, Peter Parker. Oh, sorry. We're doing
2: spectacular than the the series, right?
0: I, I was just going to put the the animated series off on its own since we've got a whole bunch oh, of comics. Oh, no that's fun. That, like, I gotta throw it in the list. It's no god. Okay, <laughs> fine, fine. All right.
2: Um. So okay, spectacular annual Puma Man honeymoon time. Boogaloo. Mm-hmm. Did Did you have a
0: look alike on the on the list, Kane? Do you have somewhere you were you were eyeing? Uh, I'm thinking somewhere. Uh, You know, around the Marvel team up Wraith, which is like about our middle point on the list, um, where, you know, it it was it was a fun story. Um, uh, You know, I felt there are a few few places where it went a little long, uh, wasn't quite as tight as it could be. But, you know, not a bad story by any any stretch of the imagination.
2: I'm trying to see below that we have our inaugural Soul of
0: the Hunter.
2: And before that was Twas the fight before Xmas, which is that lovely uh Dacock uh, oh, No no, no twas the fight
0: before or, twas the fight before Christmas I thought was the Darwin cook.
2: Oh, you're right. sorry uh, I am uh... yeah,
0: there we go um,
2: so I I was eyeing right above spirits of the earth which is something we covered recently and i i put it uh, much higher than you did on our list so uh, <laughs> so
0: so so you're saying it goes above the pumping up
2: i i think it meets above the pumping up line because there's something so intrinsic about peter parker and the marriage um i think the puma thing's interesting this isn't hitting above a certain level of kimia's castle's kind of my line there but I, I felt like there's mm-hmm. some odd bits with um, Spirits of the Earth as well. and But I, I think it's ultimately maybe a little stronger than Spirits of the Earth. Not necessarily in the artistic department, um, but I'd I, I put a little higher. But I, I could be talked down because, you know, Identity Crisis is in there. Pumping Up is in there. Um well, I, the
0: the issue for me here is just that like the 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 weird heist, the setup thing, I, it just kind of lost me. That's uh fair. it was so much different than the drama that was set up prior which I was very much invested in. Uh and and it, there was an attempt to tie it in later toward the end where like Spider-Man kind of realizes that it's been set up and it kind of ties into those feelings of inadequacy that he was feeling but like it just, it felt like a little too disjointed, um, which is why I put it below pumping up, but, um, okay. you know, okay, how about, okay, are you conceding? Is, it, is this happening? Am I, am I winning? Well, I, I'm hearing you, but you had a point <laughs> okay. where
2: you were thinking, um, I'd like to hear that.
0: Right, well, you, you knocked me off my train. Um, <laughs> Your Power Rangers train, <laughs> mostly. Yeah, my Power Rangers train. Mostly, what I was saying was just that um, the the story feels a little disjointed. That's fair. And so, so that that's why I was putting it a little bit lower. Yeah. Uh, not quite as disjointed as Soul as the Hunter, but um, yeah. still, yeah, still on, on like. There's some good stuff here. There's some bad stuff here. Ultimately, the good stuff, you know, brings it up. Rather than the bad stuff bringing it down, but you know. Okay,
2: my absolute bottom line on this one is I have to put it above
0: the "twas the fight before Christmas." Okay, that that's fine. Uh, I'm I'd be comfortable with putting this. How about below Family Business? Family
2: Business, da, 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 which leaves our spectacular. So I I say we just punch in right above "twas the fight before Christmas."
0: Okay, so so we're going to be going. So our line of pumping up. Then Family Business, Spectacular Spider-Man 215, 216. That's that uh, Scorpion in the sewers story. Then the Spectacular Annual number seven. Then uh, Fight Before Christmas. Then Marvel Team-Up. Then Soul the Hunter. Okay. Okay. Cool.
2: Um, Great. And then we just need to throw in those animated series, which, how do you do... (sighs) This is our first multimedia, like addition to the which list. again
0: is is why i don't want to put it in the list because it, like how do we compare this to literally everything else that's going to be put on the list okay, after so it?
2: where is that um doc ock issue doc ock who stole christmas is right above the final adventure um i'm putting i'd want to put it around there somewhere because of that mary jane uh aspect
0: that, that's fine that's that's fine yeah like i, I i'm i'm down with putting it the, uh, down there like uh uh you know at the end of the day the water clone thing was a weird way to like inject drama But it is clever um, it's
2: super clever and it's an interesting way to deal mm-hmm. and add drama to something that you thought was almost resolved at that point right um i'm trying to think that web of spider-man Nine was which is right above the doc ock who stole Xmas. Mm-hmm. um was that other um, guest spot we did and mm-hmm. um, w- was dealing with the heroics of Spider-Man. I'd be willing to punch it even above that one. Um basically i i'm easily willing to talk up the animated series episodes up till right below Soul of the hunter then i need a little more mm. a little more chutzpah i don't know what you're thinking
0: so i guess that also officially opens up the animated series for us to start oh, covering I mean, th-
2: we have some multimedia stuff we discussed before obviously that we wanted to cover and i think uh, there's some interesting mm. stuff there um, obviously
0: yeah so when are we going to do the cbs tv movies uh
2: soon also there's um audio recording stuff like we have some stuff that we want to cover that's offbeat and obviously we can't cover any of the major movies or um other things but i i feel there's some interesting ground to cover about spider-man as outside of the comics that is not as discussed
0: right okay yeah perfect what are we covering next time kane that It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. All right. So um, anyway, like I was saying, uh, you know, we've got this, we've we've been doing this uh, late 80s, early 90s kind of thing for us for the start of the year. And there's this really great Doc Ock story I've been wanting to cover for a while. Uh, And since this issue uh, deals with kind of the fallout of Secret Wars 2, this one deals with the fallout of Secret War 1, and that's Web of Spider-Man number four and number five. Uh, which is a, just a great Doc Ox story. So, uh, and, um, you know, we, we just did that Doc Ox story for the Christmas thing, but I think this is a much better kind of like example of a great Doc Ox story that's just a little, a little bit different. So that's Web of Spider-Man four and five. Um, this, this one was, I didn't write who wrote it, so I don't know off the top of my head, but, um, yeah, it's just a great early Web of Spider-Man arc. It's, it will be a lot of fun to, to go over. So that's it. Yeah, Matt, Let, have you heard the good word about Patreon? Link in bio. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, if you haven't, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review for the show. It helps others find us. And, uh, you know, we also, as Matt said, have a lovely patreon that we share with the amazing spider talk which means for one patreon donation of a mere three dollars and 99 cents a month you get bonus content from not one but two of your favorite spider-man themed podcasts uh you'll hear the amazing spider talks amazing spider-man reviews of uh, the amazing spider-man books as they come out and then you'll hear me and matthew deragish Be absolute insane and review every single other Spider-Man book and Spider-Man adjacent book that comes out this month because we just, we just love Spider-Man and we just can't stop talking about him, apparently. Uh, if, if that's not enough to wet your whistle, we also have a $10 a month tier, which twice a year will net you nice, perfectly, like just, just great, Uh, commissioned artwork from Spider-Man artists you know and love. Um uh we just got the prints from uh completely brain farted on his name. Uh Steve Lieber. Yeah, Steve Lieber. Yeah, the prints from the Steve Lieber, and they look fantastic. Um so all do I what? Superior Foes is my bae. Oh yeah, yeah, it's everyone's bae. (laughs) <laughs> um so yeah so so that that patreon cl- uh, uh patreon was thanks <laughs>
2: that's how you give us money for stuff
0: and then let <laughs> <laughs> keep the show on the air anyway anyway special thanks to the ellie badge for providing our theme song if you want to listen to more from them check out the show notes for links and we want to extend another special thanks to our guests uh matt uh, if our viewers have have listened to you and they're they're interested in following you on social media or following the San Diego uh, Comic Fest, where where can they find you?
1: Well, where can you find me? Well, you can always find me on Facebook at just Matt Dunford, M A T T D U N F O R D. You can find me at Instagram at Matt Dunford, all one word. You can find me at Twitter at Matt Dunford, all one word. Um, basically, I show up at every single comic convention and every. Every event every sort of thing, and you can also find out about um, San Diego Comic Fest at our Facebook page, which is just San Diego Comic Fest forwards, or you can find us on Twitter at SD Comic Fest or Instagram at SD Comic Fest. Join us uh, this year at the event. It will be March 7th through the 10th in San Diego, California. So if you like a comic convention experience with a lot of legendary comic creators, and of course if you're a very big Spider-Man fan and big fan of the animated series like I am, you're going to have a phenomenal time. Um, just reminder that, you know, Forbes called us America's best small convention. So we're uh, really playing that up. I'm working very hard to cultivate a great environment and know that I do this. And after you've heard me talk for the past two hours, trust me, I do this because I love it. (laughs) So I hope you join us and, uh, you know, check out more at www.sdcomicfest.org. And I hope to, you know, see you there. (laughs)
0: he also does a great reenactment of you know the the uh, spider-man cartoons uh voices and everything fantastic all right if you want to follow our show you can always follow us on twitter at untold talks spmn you can find us on facebook untold uh, untold talks is spider-man uh You can email the show, UntoldTalksToSpiderman at gmail.com, or you can just follow me on Twitter. Don't know why, but you can if you really want to, at KaneWrites, that's W-R-I-T-E-S. How about you, Mr. Derrigish? You can follow me at
2: MagicalMat42 on Twitter to get the latest in weird hot takes on comics and or other things. And until Matt Dunford evaporates into the heavens above, make mine untold...
1: It was like an evaporate. <laughs>